0: To another episode of Thirty Minutes with Daily Straight. Today we have a very young entrepreneur with us, Lachlan Matheson of Box is now a globe, global brand servicing 21 countries with wholesale and custom packaging around the world. Without further ado, let's welcome Lachlan to the show. Hello, Lachlan. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into it, Lachlan. The first question is, what made you want to start Box?
1: Well, it all started with my sister. My sister has a cupcake business. Called Kate Creations by Kate, and she found it really difficult to source a packaging supplier that would sell her wholesale packaging at uh, affordable rates whilst maintaining good quality. And that's where I came in because she tried buying from other suppliers and she had a really bad experience. So I thought, why not invigorate the market and create a technology-based packaging company uh, which can highly automate the process and keep costs low. And that's what I did. So I did that and that allows us to create a great customer experience and, and keep um, costs low for the customers, which they love. where
0: is this company? So
1: our warehouse is based here in Telemarine in Melbourne, which is right next to the airport. Uh, I guess it started a few years ago, but originally we had our own little warehouse in Hoppers Crossing out west, and we'd manage that. Um, and we began, we, be- we grew so quickly that we quickly outgrew that little warehouse. I think the original one was like 200 square meters. Um, and now it's, you know, we've got hundreds of pallets, so we, we had to quickly move to a larger facility that could cope with the amount of volume that we had coming inbound and, and out to the customer.
0: So, um, like the investment, what, what was the initial investment? It was
1: around $150,000 of my own capital. So there's no other investors, it was just me. That was the initial startup. Mostly it went to stock, a little bit to the warehouse cost and um, a little bit for trade shows and advertising.
0: So what was, is this boxes like packages in uh, cardboard or do you get raw materials? Where do you source your stuff?
1: Yeah, sure. So we have two sides of our business. So one is our in-stock packaging and the other is custom packaging. Now for in-stock packaging, we create all sorts of things like mailing boxes, uh, shipping boxes, um, which are great for e-commerce brands. They have lots, we started originally with dessert and bakery boxes, and that was our key market. So cupcakes, cookies, biscuits, uh, macaron boxes, all those uh, sweet treats, um, which is really tailoring towards the home baker and small business that needed specialized boxes with custom inserts for their products like cupcakes, for example, need to stay in their, their holes during transit so they'll get the custom cupcake insert. So we have our in-stock uh, products. So we'll manufacture quite large quantities, I'd say maybe like 10 or 20,000 units of one particular box. And then we break it down into small packs and we sell them on our website in small units like 50 or 100 and provide further discounts based on more. The more the customer buys, the more discount they get, essentially. And then the other side of the business is custom packaging, and that's where you can put your own brand, your own logos, your own colors. So we custom print the boxes to suit your brand. So, for example, if you're a clothing business, then you might buy satchels or a mailing box with your own brand. And then when your customers buy from your online store, you put your own product in there and you put the Australia Post or another courier's label on it and you ship it out. And when they receive it, you know, the customer loves it because it's got your branding on which has a real impact these days, I guess, to customers. Because frequently the first touch point, physical touch point for an online store when you buy from them is the packaging that you receive in the mail. So the first time you open a brand's packaging, that's the first time you've actually physically had a a connection with that store. A lot
0: going on there. So I'll just unpack a few. So how did you get the 150,000? Did you work? before and you had a savings or was it a bank loan? Yeah,
1: sure. So I worked very hard, I worked multiple jobs, even when I was a, a kid, I was uh, working from the age of 14 or 15 and I saved up the money. So I worked really hard, I uh, worked at uh, a hotel in Melbourne at night in their restaurant and their bar. And then during the day I worked in a complaints team for a health insurance company. In Melbourne so I'd go from one job to the next and work 70 or 80 hours a week just to save up money while living at home and then I actually uh, moved uh, overseas I moved to New Zealand and then to back to Australia when I worked for an airline and um, that gave me a lot of international and global exposure kind of answers your question before where, where the materials come from so we have both manufacturers in Australia and, and overseas uh, mainly China for our overseas manufacturer. It just depends on the product that's ordered. So different products based on their complexity, if they're more complex and require humans to do manual uh, gluing of different boxes, then it will be normally manufactured overseas. Um, but using my connections and experience from the airlines, uh, I was able to source those products and, really, yeah, made a massive difference to box becoming global.
0: Got it. So, all right, you saved and you didn't buy a house. You started a business with the $150,000. Is that true? Or did you buy a house as well?
1: No, it was really risky. So, you know, putting all your money, I had to make that decision. I was living in Sydney at the time and the decision was, you know, do I start this business that I'm really passionate about and really keen to, to create and, or Otherwise, yeah, I could just invest and take the traditional route in Australia of, you know, buying a house and being happy. And I took the risk and I think that's what you need to do when you're an entrepreneur, you have to take the risk because you don't want to have regrets later that you, you know, at least you tried. And for me, I'm I'm lucky that yeah, it was successful, but it was a lot of hard.
0: You're 25 years old. You're super young and you probably started this business when you were 23, 22.
1: Yeah. So it starts probably with my family. And my family my parents had a business together for many years an electrical company and through that my dad exposed me to that business at a young age and i used to go and work for them even when i was only like 12 13 all the way until i was 16 or so and i was involved heavily like with their technology i used to love playing with their phone systems and you know computers and servers and that really helped them but it gave me a lot of skills, um, not only with that, with quoting and customer service and answering the phone. And that translated, I guess, to boxed. But because I have two siblings, so I have my sister who's younger and my brother who's a little bit older, we have lots of competition um, as kids. So we'd always, we're very, very competitive, especially with sport um, when we were teenagers. And I think that drives through now into business and I mentioned before that my sister also has a, a cake business. So we're still competitive to, these, to this day today uh, where we like to compare figures and compete to try, you know, do better and, you know, whilst enjoying ourselves at the same time, it's, I guess the competitiveness, you know, drives us to be better. Well, when I was a kid, only like 12 years old, I bought a gumball machine, one of those massive gumball machines that you have in the shopping center, the big red one. And I put it in my house, and all the kids would come over and put the twenty cent coin in and watch the gumballs go around.
0: Really, and
1: And that was kind of (laughs) the start of the journey.
0: (laughs) How much was that machine? Do you remember?
1: It was very cheap back then, maybe like twenty dollars or fifty dollars.
0: And how did you get that money from? Did you do like uh, sell lemonade by the by the roadside and get the money, and then buy the gumball machine with that money, or how did you get your money?
1: Well, I don't remember the exact, like how I originally got the, the 50 or $20. But once I started, you know, because I needed to refill the machine. Mm-hmm. So I had to buy more supplies and my parents wouldn't buy the supplies, which was fair. So once the kids kept giving me the 20 cents and I'd reinvest that and go and buy more stock, put more gumballs in and then, you know, try to spread the word throughout the, the neighborhood to get more people to come and use it. And then after that, um, I also did some DJing as a teenager as well, which um, gave me a bit of interaction with people and, you know, learned what people like and don't like. And then that was kind of it with that, um, because I decided I I just wanted to work really hard with my other job, save money, and then try and help my sister out where I could as well. Um, But then, you know, once I finished with the airlines and I, I thought, you know what, I need to try and give this a shot because this is i'm really passionate about business i guess the hardest part though for me is building the business uh initially it was all all me because you know you couldn't afford to hire anyone else Mm -hmm. and you know i opened up the warehouse myself i had to you know learn how to handle freight and logistics and all these items and you know shipping picking orders packing them sending them And dealing also with all the customer service and you know ordering manufacturing it's it was a lot and i guess now that i have more staff i wouldn't say that the it's less stressful every day because my team are amazing and and help to make the business what it is but there still is a level of stress because as you continue to grow there's other issues um and you know it's quite it it is kind of like a stress that weighs over you sometimes when your numbers keep growing bigger and bigger because it can get a little bit scary sometimes.
0: Mm. So, so I wanted to ask you in your three um, expand your business uh, box so B O X X D. That's uh, a. why did you choose double X like?
1: Uh, well, I guess it came down to um, some ideas, but also um, what was allowed with registering trademarks in. Uh, 27 or 30 something countries we have trademarks in now and yeah the, the name BOX uh, box is already um, it's not allowed so <laughs> I had to find something that as because I was so passionate about this brand I, I knew that I would be able to grow it and do well with it and without like that kind of sounds a little bit ego driven but I had a good idea and I knew that there was a niche market for it so that's why at the start I wanted to make sure that we had the right legal protection so then Later on down the track, we didn't have to backtrack and try change the name. I wanted to get it right from the start.
0: Because for Asian culture, right, anything that has a double same word, double word, is actually very good. I, I thought you, uh. you did that because, <laughs> no. yeah, like Google, no. G-O-O. So yours has right. a double access, Yeah, it's good feng Shui. <laughs> so, okay, moving on, like, I wanted to ask you about your company. So you said your manufacturing business, your packaging business, sorry, has a mix of both. An Australian, uh, uh, Australian made and also overseas, mainly China, right? Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, how? At what point did you start hiring your first staff? Uh, the first year. The, the first, first year. The
1: I hired um Kirk. He's still with us today. Mm.
0: All right. So, is he older than you? Uh, yeah. Just wanted to ask yeah. you, how do you, um, as a young entrepreneur, what is the secret in dealing with people who are older than you? Like, you know.
1: Uh, everyone's older than me, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> older than me that works for me. Um, I guess I learned a lot of skills when I was at um, the airlines with speaking to people and getting to know them and being able to have that two-way communication and that really helped me um, a lot but I think they naturally just respect me because I have been able to drive the business from you know zero dollar revenue to multi-million dollar figures and they know that the direction that I want to take the business is in the best interest of all of us because like if we do well then obviously it's better for them because not only do they maintain their job but they also have the opportunity to do other tasks and other roles and do excel themselves in new tasks and training and you know um it's i think for staff like we are we are highly automated so we do have lots and lots of technology and automations but there still needs to be people that write that automation Mm -hmm. and that code And that's why i don't know it's all about communication and just treating staff with respect you know for my team we're very flexible you know if they need to go out and do things and they can go and do that most of us work from home anyway so um we were working at home before covid um and then except for our warehouse team of course
0: all right, got it. So in the three years, you've expanded to twenty one countries. Um, so how did what was the first country you expanded to, and how did you get your first sale there? Yeah,
1: sure. So I think it was New Zealand. New Zealand is so close to us. Um, we have similar customer base in terms of the the customers that are buying from us. Um, the language is easy to. It's English, so. And I also lived in New Zealand mm-hmm. for a bit, so that also helped.
0: Where did you stay?
1: understanding. Auckland? Or? I lived in Auckland, mm. yeah. Alright, so... So I lived there for a few years. Did
0: your mates uh, buy from you or did they buy? Is, was this an unknown customer?
1: Yeah, so they were all unknown because we uh, allowed the technology to, to sell internationally, but we didn't know how successful it would be. And uh, when they first placed the orders, then we quickly had to work out how we're going to ship the orders there. And which carriers are going to the, be the best and most reliable, which carriers didn't perform well, and which ones that we would no longer use. So I guess as you get more sales internationally, you learn which freight companies are the best for your business, because it's not as simple as just sending it with anyone. And I think a lot of online stores and e-commerce owners, especially if they're listening, like you need to do your research about what is the best carriers and obviously price is important but the service if if someone receives their order four weeks later after Mm, ordering mm. that reflects on your business poorly so you know you need to make a conscious effort to align yourself with the partners that are also going to bring your business up and give you those five star reviews because you want your customers to have a great experience no matter where they are in the world
0: yeah okay So how did you, so that guy, um, that company ordered from you from New Zealand, and then from there you expanded to 21 countries. So where, um, can you give me some of the top five countries that you're at?
1: Yeah, sure. Canada, uh, United States. uh, What else have we got? We send a little bit to the UAE, Mm -hmm. which is surprising. Um, I was shocked the first time. Because um, I used to fly there with the airlines, and when I first saw the order, I was like, oh, is this a real order? Like, maybe it's, um, you know, like a, a fraudulent order. I just, it was really um, bizarre. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, we reached out to them and welcomed them to the, to the brand, and I was just genuinely interested that they were ordering packaging from us when I thought perhaps, you know, there'd be a closer country. Because it is quite far away. It's almost 14 mm-hmm. hours away that they could source from like maybe India or somewhere close by yeah. to them
0: mm-hmm. um, and the UK. And UK the UK is
1: um, quite popular
0: So your packaging has the word made in Australia there?
1: Uh, well it depends on the product if it's mm. made here or if it's made overseas but yeah we will put um, Australian made and, mm. and we try to promote that on our website if that product is Australian made because I think it's really important to educate people um, and we're very transparent on yeah. On all of our products, we we tell the customer where it does come from, and that information we make clear in the description, so they they can choose products that you know if they want to support Australian made products, and they can go ahead and do that, um, or otherwise if, if they're happy with imports, then they can also do that. We provide both options. It's I guess it's leaving the customer make the decision what they want to
0: do. So, how do people find you through your website, or um, are you in trade magazines or? Uh, do you yeah, so we're all yeah. online mm-hmm.
1: um, we're technically like an online wholesaler and we don't require customers to have an account or an ABN they can simply just go on our website add to cart and check out so that was my mission as make when I started the business was making uh, packaging easy and the packaging industry has been dominated by big wholesale you know, industrial manufacturers for a long time and Traditionally, the process was that you'd contact them, you'd fill out a form. You have to tell them your life story and then they <laughs> will try, give you an account. And then everyone will be on different price price groups based on what they think that this person will spend with them. And it just made it so difficult to transact with. So I just wanted to make it so simple and so easy. But customers definitely find us through um, just Google search, some paid advertising. But we also do uh, expos. So like trade shows, um, the only difficult part is with COVID that's been reduced, but I do have an expo in Brisbane in uh, two weeks time.
0: Got it. Um, can you tell me what kind of companies like the room, the industries that order from you? Are they clothing? Like you said, they were bakery and what are the other industries? Yeah.
1: So initially we had, um, we only had bakery products um, like cake, macaron, etc. So we had all businesses like that. So we had kind of two groups that were segmented. We had like the home bakers, the people that, you know, uh, have another business or they're a mum and they bake from home. And we had the other segment, which was like larger businesses, like small business, like my sister's company that, you know, would buy and their actual cake shop. But then we expanded because we knew that obviously e-commerce was growing so rapidly and people need packaging because everything that you send in e-commerce in the post is going to require a box or a satchel, but a box provides greater protection. So we offer both options and that's why uh, we we continue to expand and see market opportunities for our business so then people could also become customers. So now we have their clothing companies, uh, we have all sorts, all sorts of businesses and a lot of the time, like we do do some customer insights where You know, we we create a video and we go on site and see what the customers do and try to get to know their business, but obviously with thousands of customers, we can only choose a few to go and do that because we we don't have the time to be able to look at every single customer individually. But on our um, social media, uh, they do post and tag us all the time. Um, I do see that every day, so that's a great way for, for all of us to see what they're doing with our boxes and packaging because we can see that they're sending it out. And they also normally write comments and it's great to see like, you know, whether they're enjoying it or if there's a problem with something so we can continually improve and make better products for them.
0: Alrighty. So you started with $150,000 and you've not had any venture capitalist investment, you just, you just rolled the money, right?
1: Yeah. So we used our own capital to continue reinvesting and growing. And initially I didn't take a salary Mm. for, you know, the first year or two and continually reinvest the money just to try grow and buy more products and expand with, you know, marketing and advertising and warehousing and all of the, <laughs> the expenses of so many. But, um, yeah, I think we've done quite well to be now multi-million dollar brand with no additional money invested from anyone. And it's kind of good in a way because, you know, uh, I've been able to maintain the control of the business without, you know, having influence by others which really allows us to stay at our core, which is what I said before, keeping packaging easy and uh, keeping the products affordable and keeping the products that, we, we started the business with the bakery products. We want to keep those products and keep those customers. We don't want to just change direction. If we had external influence, perhaps they might say, you know, we want you to do this instead. So it's kind of nice, yeah, to see the business grow. Still a little bit stressful because, You know, as the numbers are growing bigger, unusual. Like, it's a little bit weird for me seeing the numbers grow. And then you're like, oh, you know, you get a little bit nervous sometimes. But you have to remind yourself, you have to take the risk, which is why you started the business in the first place. You have to take risk, otherwise you'll never succeed.
0: Why are you nervous? Like, are you nervous that you'll go too big and you won't be able to handle it? Um, It's not that,
1: because our technology allows us to to grow and um, our staff do a great job. But it's more like when you, you know, you're paying the... Purchase orders, and you're seeing that, you know, now you're paying a two hundred something thousand dollar purchase order to a manufacturer. It's just a bit um, weird when you're pressing the button to pay that when you're not used to. You might, you know, mm. like it's very rare to see, like you'd ne- like most people would never see two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in their bank account, mm-hmm. and then to all of a sudden, you know, be sending that out, buying more stock, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, a weird feeling inside because I think most people don't see that sort of money in their accounts. so with the business it's just unusual
0: got it so i want to ask you what are some of the challenges you face as a young entrepreneur like i said earlier because you started very young at like 22
1: yeah so the most i guess the most difficult part is finding balance in your life because you just want to for me i'm very motivated like i i always have like a goal and i have like a to-do list and i just want to get everything done and i guess after a while, like for the first, like, six months or year, you know, I worked so hard and, like, sleepless nights, I'd be working, like, 18-hour days just to try build the technology, you know, meet with the right people, partners and people, like, um, that can help us grow and, and succeed, but then you eventually get to a point where it's not possible to work that much every day, so you have to kind of take some time out for you, and I learned from taking some time out um, and having some rest that it actually gives you more ideas and allows your creativity to shine so you can actually succeed even more because you now have more ideas for the business to drive it forward um, biggest challenges yeah were mainly like training staff was quite difficult and especially with COVID uh, I mean I mentioned we were working from home but I prefer to do staff training in a face-to-face environment just because I feel like it's more fair on the staff member because they can See our products. They can ask questions, and with the lockdown that happened in Melbourne for so long, it just made it really difficult to um, to get you know videography and photography and you know um, dealing with manufacturers and also training staff It was just um, quite a difficult time for I guess for everyone, but for business owners, it's stressful because you if you don't continue to operate your business and do well at it and customers stop buying, then the reven- if the revenues were to drop off, then you'd actually, you know, be at a detriment. And that yeah means other consequences. But luckily for us, we did um, really well during COVID. And because we were an online business, we were already established. We already were working from home. There weren't many changes. So for us, um, people, we, we gained so many new customers. I think we doubled or tripled in size um, during that COVID lockdown period in Melbourne. So it was huge.
0: Alrighty. Finally, right, um, Lachlan, what's uh, what is the buzz about biodegradable? Because I know you're trying to uh, launch a new product box biodegradable. Can you let us know what it is?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, a lot of our paper uh, manufacturing uh, paper is biodegradable. So we already have a lot of products that um, meet that criteria, but. I guess it's about educating the customer. What is biodegradable? That are being used are uh, coming from a natural source. Biodegradable means that the product also can naturally degrade into the environment without um, being, without any like other external influence. Like for example, um, when when we talk about recycling with plastic, plastic recycling means that we're going to. Use machinery to to create to break down the product into a raw form, and then rebuild the product into something different. But with biodegradable, some people get confused with biodegradable and recycling. You don't recycle anything that's biodegradable because it will naturally, if you leave it outside mm-hmm. with the sun mm-hmm. and the rain and the elements, it will naturally just um, go into a Combined. natural form. Yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. We are launching. Uh, we want to launch like a new official range with you know um, strong marketing and clear information to the customer, so then uh, we can create, we can allow the customer to make a decision because at the moment the industry, like a lot of people are throwing around the term bio or biodegradable, but I think it's really important to educate exactly what is biodegradable and what isn't because there's still some forms of manufacturing which are claimed as biodegradable, but they still have plastic elements in them, and That just means that the plastic particles are breaking down into tiny little pieces but it's not actually biodegradable so i think um, there's a lot of people in the industry that just need to make the information a lot more clear and that's our intention at box we want to make it easy make it clear and launch all these new products which i'm so excited but it's probably still a few more months away until the official range launches
0: Got it. So uh, congratulations, so you're supposed to clock in $3 million this year, your company. Um, so we wish you all the best and we thank you so much for allowing us to pick your brains today. So any final words for uh, entrepreneurs out there, Lachlan?
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing is if you have an idea, you have some passion, you ha- your heart has to be in it for the right reasons. So, you know, if your, your sole goal is to make money, I would say, you, good luck, but you'll probably give up after a few months because it's so much hard work, and you really have to have the heart in the right place. But if you do have your heart in the right place, then one hundred percent go for it, and give it your best shot. Um, make sure that you take the risks and don't look back, and always think that at least you know you gave it your best shot, and you will have no regrets if you at least. Whereas if you didn't try, you'd, you'd probably live your life with a regret. That's great
0: advice. Thank you so much, Lachlan, for joining us. And thank you so much for your time today.
1: My pleasure. See you next time.